Let's take God's word together this evening and turn to the Old Testament book of the Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon. We began looking at this book several weeks, maybe a couple of months ago, off and on. That's found right after the book of Ecclesiastes. If you're still making your way, finding your way through scriptures, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. And Song of Solomon is one of the three books attributed to Solomon as being the author. Most believe that Solomon wrote this book when he was a young man in love. Some believe he wrote Proverbs when he was middle-aged at the height of his power as king. And Ecclesiastes, the third book that he wrote, was written as an old man looking back over his life. This book, many have concluded it to be nothing more than a love story to which I reject wholeheartedly or else it would not be in God's word. It cannot be simply a love story. Yes, indeed, it is a love story, but there's much more. Just like the parables are much more than a story about farming and a story about a man sowing seed. As when Jesus spoke in the New Testament, he spoke in parables. Those were more than simply nice little stories. They had a meaning. And this book, this letter, the Song of Solomon is more than a love story. It's a, it's a book about Christ's love for his church, about the love of Jesus for his bride. The New Testament speaks about Christianity as us being the bride and Christ being the groom. And the groom coming back soon. The bridegroom is coming to collect his bride. And all those who have been washed in his blood, made ready by the finished work of Christ, will be prepared for the coming of the bridegroom. Now can I ask you tonight that if the Lord Jesus came this evening, would you be ready? Would you be ready? Are you ready for his return? We come to our text in Song of Solomon, chapter 2. We'll be reading from verse 16 down into chapter 3, verse 5. Follow along with me, please. My beloved is mine, and I am his. He feedeth among the lilies. Until the day break and the shadows flee away, turn, my beloved, and be thou like a roe, or a young heart upon the mountains of Bether. By night on my bed I sought him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. I will rise now and go about the city in the streets and in the broad ways I will seek him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. The watchmen that go about the city found me, to whom I said, Saw ye him whom my soul loveth? It was but a little that I passed from them, but I found him whom my soul loveth. I held him and would not let him go until I had brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her that conceived me. I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose and by the hinds of the field, that ye stir not up, nor awake my love till he please. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us tonight as we look at this text. Father in heaven, we come before thee now and we recognize that this is a divine book. 
We cannot comprehend it unless thy spirit give us revelation, insight, understanding. So open the eyes of our heart, we pray, that we may behold him whom our soul loveth. We pray tonight for those who are seeking the Savior, seeking Christ, but have never found him yet. We ask of thee this evening, help them to find Christ and to be found of him. May they cry out this evening, I have found him whom my soul loveth. Work in our midst, we pray, beneath this tent. I pray for the one who's wayward and backslidden and fallen out of the way. May this very evening, may they be restored unto the one to whom their soul loveth. Bless us, we pray. Speak to every heart in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. This is a marvelous account, a marvelous story full of such rich truth and exhortation, both for the believer and for the unbeliever. Would you look this way, please? If tonight you are lost and you know it, you know that you don't have Christ, you know you've never been born again, you know you have never found this Jesus that Christians are always talking about, then this message is for you. And perhaps tonight you do know what it is to walk with Christ. Perhaps you do know what it is to hear his voice. But something's happened. And you're not walking with him anymore. And it's been a long time since you've heard his voice. Then this message is for you. I want you to notice a couple of things in our text tonight, beginning in verse number 16. There is a real deceitfulness of sinful living. Now look this way for a moment. There's a, the majority, majority of us here experience this same problem. The majority of us have this strange, wild idea that we can dabble in sin for a little bit and still find our way back to God. It's a lie. And perhaps tonight the reason you have not yet come to Christ is because you haven't been willing to leave sin. And you know there's some things that need to be left behind, and you know there are some things to be repented of, but you're not yet willing to make that move. But you think in your mind that you'll do it when the time is right. And I know that there are some here tonight that used to walk next to the Savior, but you have been deceived into thinking you can live in the world part of the time and live next to the Savior the other part of the time. That's exactly what I have right here. Here's a little bride, and she says in verse 16, My beloved is mine, and I am his. Look, I belong to Jesus. He belongs to me. I know he feedeth among the lilies. I know where he feeds his flock. I can find him anytime I want to. I can drift away a little bit, and because I belong to him, and he belongs to me, I can return anytime I want to. I know just where to find him, should I whiff wish to drift away for a little bit. But can I tell you, my friend, it doesn't work like that. That's the deceitfulness of sin. Well, I'm secure. I belong to him and he belongs to me. I'm safe in the arms of Jesus, as it were. I have no need to be concerned. It's not that big of a deal if I drift a little bit. What's the big deal if I dabble a little bit in this sin or entertain this little vice a little bit longer. What's the big deal? It's not that bad. 
He's mine and I am his and nothing can change that. I'm doing okay right where I am. And although I don't see him right now and although I don't hear him right now, I still, I'm okay. And it leads her to say something interesting. My beloved is mine and I am his. He feedeth among the lilies. I know just where he is. So she says to him, literally, look what she says. Until the day break and the shadows flee away. Turn, my beloved. Go away. Uh, I, I know, I know you'd like to speak with me and I, I know that you'd like to spend time, but not now. I've got some other things I'd like to do. I tell you what, come back when it gets dark. That's when I'll need you. Come back when it gets dark. Uh, that, that's when I'll be afraid and that's when the sun will go down and I could really use your company then. But really, for right now, I'm okay. I, I, I wonder tonight if that's the way you've been acting. I wonder if that's the way you've been thinking. You have told the Lord. You know that the Lord wants to commune with you. You know that Christ wants to walk with you. He wants to talk with you. You know he's trying to deal with you. But in your heart and in your mind, you, you've got many other things to do. You, you crowd him out because you've got some other plans. Literally, here's what she says. Not now. Not today. Not, not, not right now, anyways. Maybe tomorrow. Turn around. Go on. When the day breaks. I'm not quite ready yet. Can I tell you what the sad thing is? He goes. He goes. I do not know how long he'll stand at the door of your heart and knock. I do not know how many times he'll knock. He doesn't have to. He has not obligated himself to keep knocking until you answer. He has not obligated himself to keep talking until you listen. I do not know. But I do know this. If you hear his voice, don't turn him away. Don't send him along. Don't tell him later. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm just in the middle of a job right now, Lord. I'm very busy right now. I've got some things I need to do first. I can still remember the time when I was visiting Tommy and Maggie there in Wheatley and, and a young man pulled up. He was living for the time being briefly just opposite, just uh, around the, around the way there. And I spoke to him about his soul. Tommy and I talked to him about the need of Christ. And he said to me, I know I need to be saved. His brother had recently been converted. And he said, I know I need to give my life to Christ. I'm, my life is a mess. Drugs and alcohol, domestic problems. He said, I know my whole life is a mess. He said, but there's some other things I need to do first. There's some things I need to do first. Can I tell you, still to this day, he has not come to Christ. Still to this day. There are a few things I need to do. Not now. And he heard the voice of Jesus saying, come. He sensed that Christ was dealing with him, but he said, not right now. Very soon, this woman was about to realize that the things that were once satisfying her would satisfy no longer. Do not be deceived into thinking that because you feel pretty good right now and because life is really not too bad right now and you're pretty satisfied with what life has given you, do not be deceived into thinking that will continue because it's just a matter of time before that well dries up. The scriptures say, why do you put money into bags with holes? Why do you eat bread that won't feed you? Why are you chasing after things that never satisfy? None but Christ can satisfy. None other name for me. You know that. 
If you've ever met the Savior, if you've ever walked with Christ, you know that nothing in this world will satisfy you but Him. Somebody once said this, it's far easier to turn Him away. It's far easier to turn away from His call than it is to remember His voice or to find Him when He's gone. Did you hear me? It's far easier to turn Him away than it is to find Him when He's gone. It's easier for you to say, not now, Lord, than it is for you to say, Lord, I need you, where are you? It's easier for you to say, shh, not now, than to remember what it was to hear his voice. I've oftentimes, I, I, I can feel it even now, I can, I can remember times when I've longed to hear his voice, when there have been seasons, weeks, maybe even months, when I, I've gone through a dry period without knowing his presence and without knowing his voice, without knowing his leading. And I thought I'd never hear him again. I know what that's like. So what did she do? By night, on my bed, I sought him. Can I ask you this evening, have you begun to seek after him? Do you know that he's not there? Do you sense that his presence is gone? Maybe tonight you've never known his presence and you're seeking after him, but are you really seeking him? It's interesting. She told him until the day break and until the shadows flee away, come back when it gets dark. Well, can I tell you something? The day did break and the shadows did flee away and it did get dark and she was alone. Can I just say to you uh, very, very kindly, you do not get to tell God when he can come to you and when he can't. You don't have that liberty. We always regret turning him away when it gets dark. Don't we? We always think to ourselves, why didn't I walk with him? Why didn't I stay on that path? Why did I do this? Why did I put my fingers in my ears when he was speaking to me? We always feel that way when it gets dark. Always. When we realize that we need him. She sent him away when everything was well. Sunshine, flowers. You remember our text and verse chapter two and verse number 10, verse number 11. For lo, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of the singing of the birds has come. Oh, lovely. Everything's fine and dandy. And she sent him away. Go on, she says. Come back when it gets dark. Come back when I really need him. Can I ask you this evening? Have you turned him away? Would you look here? Have you turned Jesus away? Have you told him I'm too busy? Have you foolishly imagined that you can dictate to God when he should and shouldn't come? Have you foolishly imagined that you can rub the, the bottle like a genie and make him appear anytime you want him? She said, I sought him, but I found him not. You ever been there before? Have you ever been to the place where you were seeking him, but you couldn't find him? I sought him, but I found him not. By night on my bed, I suddenly realized he's not here. He's, he's not coming. I sought him, but I found him not. Well, hold on a moment. You say, I thought that if I seek, I shall find. I thought that Jesus said, if I seek him, I shall find him. But you forget Jeremiah the prophet says, and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your hearts. 
Can I tell you something? You cannot expect to find him if you stay where you are. By night on my bed, I saw him. Lord, where, where are you? Lord. Well, if he's not there, and all you do is keep seeking right there, you're not going to find him. Common sense. If one of my children has gone missing from my sight, I don't keep standing there and looking and looking and looking. I might do. Once I, once I fully understood that the child is not here, I go further to look. And as soon as you recognize that your Savior is not near, you're not hearing his voice anymore, he's not speaking, he's not leading, he's not guiding, then search more. Get up off of your bed of comfort. Get up off of your bed of ease. And seek him with all of your heart. He whom my soul loveth. Now, she said, I sought him whom my soul loveth. Like, there's no, there was no lack of sincerity. It wasn't that she was, wasn't sincere. She was, I love him. She was sincere, but she was not diligent. How many times have you been sincere? Oh, I want to be saved. I want to know the Lord, but you have no diligence. You'll not be converted. No way. You're not going to be converted. You're not going to be saved. If you, if you say, oh, I'd like to be saved. I really want to know Jesus, but I've got a lot going on, you know. You're going to have to do it when I've got time. No chance. No chance. You're never going to find your way back to Christ if you just wander in for an hour or two a week and expect that maybe something's going to happen. No. The Proverbs tells us, Solomon writes in Proverbs 13 and verse number 4, uh, an interesting little verse. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 4. Listen to what Solomon writes. Speaking of the lazy one, the soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. The soul of the sluggard, that's a lazy one. He wants everything, but he's got nothing because he's doing nothing. I know some people like that too. This and they want that and they want you to help them do this and do that, but they're not willing to do anything themselves. The soul of the diligent shall be made fat. If you seek the Lord with all of your heart, you will find him. So get up off of your bed. Get up off of your comfort and ease and familiarity. I love what the prodigal son says. One of my favorite, my favorite parable, I believe, in all the New Testament. Is that one of the prodigal son? Do you remember? He went to go eat with the pigs. And he got so low and so down and not one person cared for his soul. And finally he sat there with the pigs starving. And he said, you know what? My father has servants who have enough to eat and extra. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I will arise and go to my father. And the scripture is saying, verse 20, he did arise and came to his father. There's no good you saying you want Jesus and staying in the pig pen. No good you saying, yes, I want to go back to my father. And yet you're still eating slop with pigs. Get out of the pig pen. Do you really want him? Do you really want the Savior? Run from your sin. Run from it. Get up. And he arose and came to his father. She says in our text here, she says, I, I will arise now. I sought him whom my soul loveth on my bed. I sought him but found him not. I will rise now and go about the city and in the streets and the broadways. I will seek him whom my soul loveth. So she gets up. 
and she seeks a city and in the broad places and I'm going to go as far as I possibly can, whatever it takes to find him. Can I ask you this evening, have you done that? You can't expect to find him till you rise. She said, I will rise now. Not in the morning when the sun comes up, when I can see better. No, he's gone. I recognize I've done wrong. I'm going to find him now. Some of you are saying tomorrow. Some of you are saying next week and next month and next year. i got a few things more I want to do. She said, now. I'm going to rise now. Can I ask you this evening, will you rise now? Will you rise now and seek after the Savior? The first step to getting back is getting up. The first step to getting back to the Savior is getting up. So arise. And she went into the streets and the cities and the Bible says she found him not. Have you ever been there? You recognize your faults and you recognize where you went wrong. You recognize where the communion with Christ was broken. But yet you, uh, you, for a while you sat there hoping that he would come to you. And then you realize you've messed up. You better find him. And you got up and you began searching and looking, but yet you just still couldn't find him. The Bible says something interesting. Look at this in verse 3. The watchmen that go about the city found me. The watchman is, is a picture of the minister. You find this all through the scripture. The, in the book of Hebrews, the, the Bible tells us that you ought to pray for those who have the uh, rule over you. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 17. Let me read it with you. The author of Hebrews writes and says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Speaking about ministers who watch over your soul, they're watchmen. Again, the prophet Ezekiel speaks about this in the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, chapter 3 and verse number 17. Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word of, at my mouth and give them warning from me. The minister, the prophet, the preacher is a watchman. They're to watch for our souls. And she runs into the watchman at night. And the hour of darkness, by the way, that's exactly where watchmen should be. Watching over the people, not just in the sunshine. Any minister can do that. Any minister can watch over the flock when the sun is up and everybody says Christianity is one. Any minister can, can watch over the flock when he's applauded uh, for wearing his collar or his tie. Any minister can do that when he gets a fat paycheck. But what about in the darkness when nobody sees? Is he watching over your soul then? And the Bible says the watchman found me. So she said to them, have you seen him? Saw ye him whom my soul loveth? It's interesting, she understood something that these watchmen ought to know where he is. Can you tell me where he is? Well, uh, an interesting thought is this. Although she met the watchmen, the watchmen weren't good enough for her. I know some people who all they care about is the minister or this man or that man and Oh, he's my favorite and this. Boy, I really like him. But can I tell you, a minister is no substitute for Jesus Christ. A minister, a man is no substitute. Do you remember when Mary Magdalene saw the angels at the tomb? It wasn't enough. Do you know where he is? Where have they laid him? Him whom my soul loveth. 
And when they could not help her, you know what she did? She kept going. She kept looking. There may come a time when you go to a minister and he'll pray with you and he'll talk with you and say, look, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Will you give up or will you carry on? The Bible says in verse number four, it was but a little that I passed from them. It was only a little bit after that I passed on from them that I found him. What do you do when you can't find him? And even when the ministers can't help you find him, keep seeking, keep looking. Ainsworth said, no brother, no church, no minister can comfort the afflicted conscience unless Christ himself be apprehended by faith. There's not a minister, no church, no matter how good it is, can comfort the afflicted soul unless you get a hold of Jesus by faith. That's what you need. And shortly after she left the watchman, I found him. I can just about hear her relief. The Bible says it was but a little that I passed from them, but I found him whom my soul loveth. Finally, I urge you tonight, keep seeking. Don't quit. Keep looking. Don't give up. You will find him if you search with all of your heart. Don't you let disappointments drive you away from persevering. Keep seeking. And one day you'll be able, like this little lady, to be able to say, I have found at last. Keep looking. Keep seeking. I wonder tonight, have you found him? Maybe you are here this evening and you've been searching. And you, you, you're tempted right now to quit because you've been looking for so long and still haven't found him. Maybe tonight you feel as if, what's the point anymore? Because week after week I come and I listen. Week after week and I seek. Week after week, but I still haven't found him. I give you one advice. Keep seeking with all of your heart. In the middle of the night, seek him. When you don't want to seek him, seek him. When you feel like quitting, keep seeking. And you shall find him. You shall. It's a promise. Now, what do you do when you find him? What do you do when you find him? It was but a little that I passed from them but I found him. I found him whom my soul loveth, and I held him. And I would not let him go. I believe every once in a while the Lord allows, he allows us to feel as if we're away from him. And sometimes I believe he allows it for an extended time so that when he revisits us, we hold all the more tightly to his hand. So that when we find him, we hold on and we determine that we will never let him go again. I held him. Now make no mistake about it. He holds us. The Lord, no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. He's holding us. It's just like when one of my little children come to take my hand when they're afraid. And they think they're holding on to my hand very tightly. And they think that in holding my hand, that they've got a hold on me. But the truth is I've got a hold on them. And that's the same thing here. You hold on to Christ with your tiny little hand as tightly as you can, but you also take comfort in knowing that he holds on to you. He holds on to you. Oh, we must hold him like the women fell at the feet of Jesus. Do you remember? They held him by the feet and they worshipped him when they saw him. That's the way we should be. That's the way we should be when we find him. Can I ask you tonight, are you holding on? Are you holding on? Maybe you do hear his voice and maybe you are walking with him, but maybe you feel as if you're weak. Your, your grip is getting weak. 
I remind you what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 2, the encouragement and the challenge to keep holding, to not give up. It's found all throughout Hebrews, but in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 1, therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Would you look here for a moment? There is a natural tendency to let things slip. There's a natural tendency to let things go, isn't there? The longer you're at something, the sloppier we get. The longer we do something, the more hurried, the more rest we get. So he says we ought to give the more earnest heed. We ought to carefully pay attention to the things that we heard so that we don't lose any of them. Every teaching, every word from Christ, every admonition from the Spirit, every prodding of the Holy Spirit of God, we ought to listen carefully. Every time we've opened God's Word and spoken to us, those little truths that He, he spoke directly to our heart, you hold tightly to them so that you don't lose them. In Hebrews chapter 10, just a few pages to the right, in verse 22, uh, the, the author of Hebrews writes, and he says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Would you look here for a moment? There have been many a believer over the last couple of years that's wavered. Over the last several years. Some right now are wavering. And he writes and says, let us draw near. And let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised, meaning your, your faith and confidence is in what he's promised you. And let us consider one another to provoke one another unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. I don't care who's not meeting. Let's continue meeting so that we can encourage and exhort one another so that we might be able to build one another up, provoke one another to love and to good works, to provoke one another to hold fast because some people are letting go. What did she do when she found her Savior after having that time of being separated from Him, walking in darkness, feeling as though she was separated from the lover of her soul. What what'd she do when she found him? She held him tight. Hold fast. And be careful that you do nothing to grieve him away. It's one thing to actively hold fast. It's another thing to make sure you're doing nothing to grieve him. That would cause him to run. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Quench not the spirit. She said, I held him and would not him go. Are you holding tight tonight? Have you got a determination, a, a tenacity in your heart to say, I'm not going to let him go. I'm not, I'm not going back to what I used to be like. I'm not, I don't want to live separated from his presence any longer. And then we find something interesting. She, when she found him, she held him and would not let him go. And look what it says. Until I had brought him into my mother's house. What do you do when you find him? What do you do when you finally lay hold on him whom my soul loveth? What do you do? 
You take him with you wherever you go. Take the name of Jesus with you. Child of weakness and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then wherever you go. Take him with you. And she said, I held him tight until I brought him to my mother's house. All those who were near to her, everyone who was close to her, she wanted them to know this same Savior. Would you look here for a moment? Do you have a desire for people close to you to know Jesus? Do you have a desire for the people closest to you to know your Savior? She wanted everyone dear to her to know this Savior. Do you? And she gives one last charge. I love this. She's been away from him for too long. And when she finally finds him, she lays hold on him. She says, I will not let him go. She brings him to her mother's house so that everybody may see him and meet him and know him like she does. And then she says in verse 5, I charge you. You listen very carefully, she said. Oh, ye daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose and by the hinds of the field, that ye stir not up nor awake my love till he please. Don't you try to separate me from my Savior. Don't you even think about coming between me and my Lord. And some of you tonight need to get enough boldness about you that you're able to say to people even close to you, don't you think about trying to get me to go back to where I've come from. I'm staying right here with my love. Don't you bother him. Don't you offend him. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. And I'm with him. And he's with me. She charged them. When's the last time you got bold enough to say to somebody who was trying to get you to go back to your old ways? When's the last time you got bold enough to say to them, zip it, I'm sticking with my Savior. You say, but I don't want to lose my friends. I'd rather lose my friends than communion with my Savior. I'd rather say sayonara to my family than I would to a closeness and nearness to Jesus. I charge you, don't you think about coming between me and my Savior. It would do you good. Gracious, please. But it would do you good to say, don't you think about it. I'm walking with Jesus. It's been too long. I've been separated from him for too long. Don't you try to come between me and him. Maybe tonight you're searching. Keep seeking. Maybe you found him. Well, then hold on. And trust that he's holding on to you. Trust that his grip is tighter than yours even when you're feeling weak. Make sure you doing nothing to grieve him. Try to walk near to him. Lay your head on his chest and listen to his heartbeat. Let him whisper to you where to go and what to do and be determined that nothing's going to come between you and your Savior and take him with you wherever you go. I hope you don't leave Jesus in the tent. You can't. Effectually, you can't. But I hope, I hope you don't Leave him here. The only time you talk about Jesus and think about Jesus is when you come to a meeting. I hope you take him with you. You talk about him, think about him. I hope that your life, from from tonight until the next time I see you, I hope you're consumed with him. Bring him with you. If you're seeking him tonight, don't give up. He is near. He is near. Check and see that you haven't turned them away. Recollect, ask the Lord to show you. 
and seek him till you find him. Because nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful that we're told in thy word that if we seek thee with all of our heart, we shall find thee. Not maybe, but we shall. Help some of our friends to get off their beds of comfort and ease, off of their beds of routine, and to seek thee with all their heart. Grant unto them eyes to see and ears to hear. Help them to believe, Lord, that the promises of thy word are for them. And may they apprehend Christ with a heart of faith. May they apprehend him who has apprehended them. May they hold on to him who is holding on to them. I pray for the one who's wandered away. Tonight they feel as if they may never find their way back to thee. Bring them home tonight, Lord. Don't let them go too long, we pray. Help us, those who are walking with thee, to hold tightly to thy hand, to be determined to never let thee go, to neither grieve thee nor quench thee, but to show thee and speak of thee to everyone we know, to be determined that no one and nothing shall come between us and him whom our soul loveth. For we ask it in Christ Jesus' name and for his sake.